I'm Sydney. And I'm Julie. And this is Restaurant and Retail Revelations. Restaurant and Retail Revelations, a podcast produced by Revel Systems, which is the leading cloud-native transactional platform and point-of-sale provider. In this podcast, my co-host Julie and I talk with key players in the restaurant and retail industries about notable trends, uh, the businesses where they work, and so much more. Today, we have a David Mitroff on the episode. He is the founder and chief consultant of Piedmont Avenue Consulting. And David and Raul actually share a client, which is very cool and is one of the ways we got connected with him for today's episode. So we're looking forward to getting his take as a consultant on the latest happenings in the restaurant space. Alrighty. Um, David, it's a pleasure having you here on the podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm excited to be here. Uh, to kick things off, I'd love to just quickly introduce, have you introduce yourself and what you do at Piedmont Avenue Consulting. Yeah, so my name is David Mitroff and um, the founder of Piedmont Avenue Consulting, which is a full service business consulting and marketing firm. We specialize in helping all kinds of businesses, especially those in the hospitality space, but all kinds, retail, hospitality, restaurant, um, grow and get to the next level. That includes coming up with creative strategies, coming up with plans to get to the next level and helping them implement those. It doesn't matter if it's in the marketing area, in the operations area, um, it's across the entire business. Um, and we've started and opened businesses from the dirt you know, all the way through to expansion, to franchising, to multiple locations. Yeah, and David, you touched on this a bit in your intro, but for our listeners who don't know, uh, Piedmont Avenue Consulting focuses on two somewhat unique verticals, restaurants and law firms, and we'll mainly focus on restaurants today, but I'd love to give our listeners just some insight into the evolution of Piedmont Ave Consulting uh, and the services you offer. Yeah, so just I started out a long time ago just doing sales when I was 15 and, and then starting, and I started just my own companies and different things, and over time, I just gravitated more more towards restaurants and law firms just because I, I worked for six years with LexisNexis selling to big law firms and the lawyers would leave these huge firms to start their own firms. So I started helping them. At the same time, when I worked with LexisNexis for six years, my job was pretty much taking people to lunch every day. And when I would take people to lunch every day, uh, certain restaurants would be like, you know, uh, how do we get more people like you to come and take people to lunch to our restaurant? Like, well, if you change this and change this, you'll get more people. Um, and so I started giving them advice on their website, their Yelp, um, even just put an A-frame out front, a sandwich board out front, or changing their menu or change You know, I really, your price point is too low compared to other ones. It's, you know, I'm not trying to lose money, spending more money at your restaurant, but your price point is too low or change this, change that. And then next thing you know, the lawyers started hiring me and the restaurant started hiring me. And, um, and then I just love learning. So through love, loving to learn, I got high, I've been hired by everybody, whether it's doulas, I've been hired by three doulas, if you know what those people do. Uh, then, uh, then I've worked with a knitting store for three years. Then I worked with a yacht dealer for two years, um, all those jobs as consultant and then construction companies and law firms and, 
and physician groups and, and every single one of those clients teach me. And through me being taught, I mean, I'm getting paid to learn, which is the best job in the world, I think. And through the, all those experiences, I'm able to take from a, uh, a pizza place to um, construction company, different techniques that I realize that work. And, I, and it doesn't matter what business you're in, if you're an owner of a business, you pretty much have similar problems. And, and then and, and at different growth phases, when you're starting out, um, as you're expanding, and then as you're figuring out what to do next, whether exit strategy, whatever, you have certain growth phases and things that happen, they're very consistent. And so through that, I've learned a lot about point of sale systems, website systems, e-commerce, um, insurance, uh, you know, hiring and firing and training and HR stuff, and just through uh, uh, lease negotiations, um, exit strategies, selling businesses, you know, so I, through all those experiences over the last 15, 15 plus years, I've learned all those experiences and had all those experiences, both myself and for clients. And then I'm able to share that. And that's, that was, that's what makes our consulting unique. Yes, we can post on Facebook for you or set up your Yelp or set up your point of sale system, or we can advise you on how to do it or help you find outside people to do it for you. But, but really it's about, I come with creative strategies, my team and I, uh, to help you get to the next level. Yeah, for sure. And you touched on actually a lot of these things, just the general things that have been challenges for you as a business owner along the way, uh, and the highlights, which is continually learning. That's, that's fantastic. But I know, especially the last 18 months with the pandemic has just been kind of a strange time. And so I'm wondering for you as a business owner, not even the folks you consult with, uh, what are some of those unique challenges you worked through? And then hopefully some highlights that came as a result of that. Yeah, so I think that um, the businesses, including mine, that did I did very well during during, and I still do, uh, uh, make a lot of money or however you want to define well um, during the pandemic and and still right now pivoted or had lots of different scenarios and options. So in my case, my companies I have several different companies and several different uh, ways that we work. I have plus or minus 15 different revenue streams. Um, so what happens is, and I've always had that for a long time. And, and sometimes people go, wow, you're doing so many things. It's like, no, no, I, I can only do so much. And so what I do is I have different levers and I pull up and down levers depending on what I'm interested in, what the market tells me, what time of the year it is. So I've always had lots of revenue streams. So for example, I do a lot of keynote talks. I fly around the world, do keynote talks. Well, obviously when there's a virus, you can't do that. I mean, I can do virtual ones, which I've been doing, and I'm on this podcast right now, but I can't really fly places. So, but then there's other people I know that only do keynote talks. That's all they do. So they don't do consulting. They don't do, they don't do uh, other type of work that I do. So uh, they, so it's really hard for them. So I, I've always been of the philosophy of having different revenue streams or different things that you do so you can turn them up and down. So like I teach at University of California, Berkeley, or I, I, I mentor for Google, or I work for the city of San Francisco and the city of Los Angeles on different projects. So what happens is when, as the virus comes, well, obviously a lot of people are calling the government. So the projects I do at city of San Francisco and the city of Los Angeles, those go up and I get a lot more work from there. Now it's a different type of work than my private consulting. It's a different type of work than me flying around the world consulting, but obviously those things went down. So then those go up. The other is that in my business, I, I don't silo my business. Yes, I work with restaurants and hotels and hospitality over here. I work with more professional law firm, engineer, architect, construction companies over here. 
Well, obviously what happened was the hospitality industry took a dive at the beginning of the, of the virus and I lost a whole bunch of those private consulting clients. So then what happens is, but guess what? Construction and cannabis and some other industries have been taking off like crazy. So I had a whole bunch of work over there. So, but if all I did was just position groups or just law firms or just restaurants or just hotels, it makes it a lot harder. But then people say, well, but how can you know about so many different things? Well, because I like learning and I get paid to learn all those things. And over, over time, I realize that business is business, um, they're, they're, that there's dysfunction everywhere, you know, <laughs> and, and, and um, it's about helping people do what, what they, you know, what they do best and helping them get to the next level. Um, but yeah, as far as the, so diversifying, uh, that's what we did. And we already were doing that. So it was easier. The other is just being online. If you're not online and not prepared for that, um, then it's going to be much harder. We are already online. Uh, being open to change, which we are, and that's, and that's the clients that we help the most are open to change. Um, what else? Uh, the other thing is that <clears throat> traditionally, I'd say traditionally over the last 15 years, what happens is someone uh, goes to my website, PiedmontAv.com. They schedule a call for free. I talk to them. And then they say, okay, well, you know, sounds good. What's the next step? Next step is an assessment. And we do an assessment we map out and they pay a little bit of money. We map out a six to 12 month strategy. What are you going to do for the next six, 12 months? And that's been going on for years. And then based on that, some people, they, they go and implement those things on their own. Some people hire us to implement those. But what happened over the last 12 months for sure is there's been a major shift where people call, I talk to them. I say, okay, the next step is an assessment where we map out the next six, 12 month strategy. It's a little bit of money. They go, no, I, I just want the problem to go away. I go, well, what do you mean? You don't want a six, 12 month long-term? No, no, just fix this problem. And the problem might be HR, might be operations, like you know, operations finder, like get things in order. It might be the menu um, at a restaurant, like just clean up. It might be uh, our website, getting online ordering. It might be, I don't know, whatever that, whatever that, there's like usually a pain point that caused them to call. Whatever that pain point, just make that pain point go away now. I say, okay. So now what's been happening is a large percentage of people are calling. <clears throat> I'm like, okay, for this much money, which is not a lot, we'll map out a long-term strategy. But if you want my, your problem to go away, this particular problem, then I can help you right now make that problem go away. But it's going to cost you a lot more money, you know, like a lot. And they're like, that's fine. And then they pay me that lot of money. I make that problem go away. And some of them are like, thank you. And then they go on their way. Other ones say, thank you. And then they end up uh, hiring us for the long, to help them do the long-term strategy stuff. But it's been really fascinating because prior to two years ago, that never happened, never happened. So I'm getting a lot of people that they just want the problem to go away. And, and, and they, they're nice people and they're smart businesses and I'm glad to work with them. But my experience is that they end up, eventually they will be calling me back because I just fixed one problem. I didn't, I didn't set up a long-term strategy. And I, and, but that's, that's okay. That's what they need right now. Yeah, I really like what you said, just being open to change, I think both from your business and your own perspective and the perspective of your clients too. And from the standpoint of a consulting service in general, what industry trends um, are impacting restaurants right now in your eyes the most? There's been so much that's happened in the past year, um, but I'm curious to know what strikes you. Yeah, so my, my thing is that I tell people that there's always a virus. There's always something. So right now it's so in your face because, well, people are wearing masks and you can see that just about, but, but there's always something, whether there's a fire, whether there's an electrical outage, whether um, there's a, a, 
you know, uh, food poisoning, whether there's the internet goes out, whether there's every, there's always something. And it's just, this one's more in your, in your face and obvious, but there's always something going on. So we have to prepare. You can never, we have to have different options. So I think that just if in your mindset, you know what, it's going to go up and down, left and right, up and down, left and right. So we have to adjust with that. That's number one. And I think if you're not able to pivot or adjust or, or you just don't, don't want to, it's going to be harder and harder and harder as this, uh, as this world goes on. Number one. Number two, um, obviously the online sales, right? You have to make it easy for people to buy your stuff. People make it way too hard for people to buy their stuff. Um, so that's that, you know, online sales, make it easy for people to buy your stuff. The third is, um, you can get away with so much stuff right now before, if you told a customer, um, yeah, you, you need to order your own food at your table. It'll we're not even going to come over to you. That kind of thing. It's like, what? That some of these things were around obviously for a long time, but the virus just highlighted the businesses that, uh, make changes that are open to just putting seats, chairs on the street, um, that are able to put stuff online, that engage with their community and influencers, they're going to be stronger. I, I, there's several restaurants that I've worked with that opened during the virus. So they, they were not, they opened direct, they opened during the virus and they're extremely successful. There's other ones that have been open for years and they're not successful right now. So I think it's about how do you engage with the community? How do you educate people that you're there? How do you pivot? How do you adjust? Are you approachable? Is it easy to buy your stuff? I mean, that's, if I look at your website, I look at your, uh, or if I come in person, how easy is it? And I find that a lot of places make it really hard. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a lot to dig into. And I, you know, one thing I, I can't help but think of is Piedmont Ave is based in the Bay Area. And I think by virtue of that, you know, San Francisco, LA, those markets often set the tone for broader nationwide trends and sometimes even global trends. And of course, you've got clients who are all over. So I'm just wondering, you know, from things like how do we respond to the Delta variant now that, you know, COVID part one is kind of past us or um, even other trends, things like changes in tipping culture. Do you feel like your, your physical position in this trend-setting space gives your team an advantage? Well, I think the, the advantage is that when you look at markets like Los Angeles or San Francisco, there's just the sheer quantity of restaurants. There's just so many. And, um, and, 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 and you can find any type, of, any type of cuisine, any type of culture, any type of thing you can think of. And so what happens is different people test out different things and see what works. There was a bar that only sold non-alcoholic drinks. It was like, a, that's it. You know, and it, they made all kinds of cocktails and everything, but it was just a bar with no alcohol. And, um, and I looked at that concept and said, that's, that's fascinating. But then they didn't really have food really either. So it's like, well, if they had food, that's going to work better. But I think it lasted like eight months or something. But it was a fascinating idea. But only in certain markets like ours, you would try that stuff, I would think. Um, the other is that you can see, oh, my gosh, there's so many vegan restaurants right now, right? And then it's like, okay, but then there's some that are vegan and, you know, something else. It's like, well, okay, so can't just vegan be everywhere, too? You know, so it's just there's, a, there's interesting phenomenons that I see and, 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 and um, look at. The other th thing that happens, like the tipping thing, 
um, <clears throat> the tipping culture and how that's changing and compare that to Europe and other places. Yeah, there's a lot of restaurants, especially like in uh, San Francisco, where minimum wage is really high. Plus, there's a health insurance, mandated health insurance, plus this, plus this, plus that. And there's all these things. So your labor cost by default is going to be extremely high. Um, so it's just that like you have to build in certain things and just say, you know what, we're going to we're going to share tips a certain way or we're going to just collect extra. There's a, a, a extra fee on top on your bill. Um, and test things out. And, and certain restaurants test it out. Again, that goes back to educating your guests, being straightforward, being open, being transparent, um, being, being, being approachable and making it easy for people to understand. Um, because if you look back, well, back in the day, like uh, Trader Vicks, Trader Vicks in Emeryville or Berkeley, they, they invented the Mai Tai in 1944 um, in that restaurant, um, Trader Vicks. And it's an amazing restaurant. And, and, I remember when I went there years ago, they would have, you would tip the, uh, the server, then there's the captain, then there's this other person. They had all these little columns. Like you see, like if you watch Curb Enthusiasm or something, there's an episode where he's at the country club. He's like, I have to tip the captain, you know, all, whatever, all these things. So they, they had that on their thing. And, and I remember that. And I thought, wow, this is fascinating. But over time that went away, but then they, but now it's like they add on other things. So it's like, you have to look at, um, and experiment and see what works. Um, but yes, the Bay Area and Los Angeles, a lot of markets, of course, but these, this state has so many restaurants that there's always different things going on and we can experiment. Um, when it comes to experimenting, I, I really think that not everything is the same. So I, I give an example. I, um, there's, I, I went to two restaurants the same day and one restaurant, um, huge windows, beautiful windows, you could see in and out is gorgeous. And it's just a huge space. Um, and I told them, you know what, you need to put um, in, in a couple of the windows that you have this lunch special, put a picture of the lunch stuff, put it, what, what it is, and it will highlight the lunch because their, their lunch wasn't doing as well as they wanted. So we, we designed really nice looking stuff in a few other windows. Um, and we put, put stuff in the window. The later, well, I, that's what I talk, told them to do. And I would help them do and then later that day, went to another restaurant and that restaurant um, in Chinatown, their windows are covered from like the whole window, like you can't even see in. Um, and it had all kinds of food and stuff, pictures of food, because people walk down Chinatown Street and just look, oh, I want that. So I said, you know what? Your restaurant inside is really nice. People can't even see in there. Um, we need to take some of these down. And they're like, no, but everybody, look, everybody, has, I know, but we need to take some of these down so people can see in and see it's a nice restaurant. And, and we can have some of the stuff along the here, but they can also look at the menu over there. So basically the same day, I'm telling one, one restaurant to put stuff in the window. I'm telling another restaurant to take stuff out of the window. Um, and then, so we did, we did that stuff. And then a couple of weeks later, we go back and sure enough, the one, the lunch crowd is moving up and the other one, more people are coming in because they can see in there. So it's, so you have to understand that just because Literally, if you were with me following around, you'd be like, but David, this morning you said the opposite. I know, but it's like, so you have to understand and look at those trends. And in the, in the, whether, whether regardless of your market, you look at the trend. The other is I went to a, I went to a, a just last month, I went to a, a wing restaurant. They sell wing, you know, wing, it's a franchise. They sell wings and stuff and wings are hot right now. Chicken wings, fried chicken, and all that is super hot. So literally I stood in front of the, their place and I looked and I pointed to the owner. I showed him, look, across the street, there's a sandwich place that also has an ad for wings in their window. Then over here, there's a thing 
they have wings. And over here, it's a hamburger place. They mentioned, oh, by the way, we have boneless wings. Over here, it's like everybody, oh, we have a fried chicken sandwich. Everybody's talking about chicken, okay? Like, okay. So look, if you look around, so if we say wings and we have pictures of chicken, we're, that doesn't make us unique, you know? But I know we're the actual wing place and everyone else is like a hamburger, but they have wings. And this plus they have wings. And what, so we, we need to differentiate ourselves. And so I have to look at your business or their business and say, wait a second, they have a huge closed off outdoor area. Nobody else has that. That means you're allowed to sell alcohol outside, which they have a full bar in there. But, and inside they have all this beer on tap. So we need to highlight that our, our happy hour, right? And highlight, or just all day long, that you can drink really a draft beer. And let's start promoting every month with a different brewery. And let's highlight that. And we'll put the pictures of beer and wing together and talk about that. And then they, they said to me, but David, how does that help us sell more wings? I was like, well, that's like, I, just bear with me a second here. So it's like, I'm trying to differentiate your business. So it drives more people in here. And they have outdoor seating, they have the full bar, because this one doesn't have alcohol. This one doesn't have alcohol. That one, you know, so you have alcohol and you have an outdoor area where it's, it's gated so people can drink. So it's, it makes perfect sense. And so by doing that, you're going to bring more people, which is going to lead to more sales of wings. You know, so it, it's like you have to like take a step back and understand, but no, we want to sell wings. I know, but, but also just selling alcohol, all you just open it and give it to somebody is, or do, do draft beer. And you make a lot of money off that. And it's a lot easier on the kitchen. And, and also the price of chicken, by the way, is expensive. It goes up, 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 up versus the price of beer. It doesn't. So, so it's just like, you have to be creative and think about it and just look at your business. I think the problem is that when I work with a lot of people or just even myself, that's why I have people always tell me stuff too, is you're in your business. And when you're in it, it's really hard for you to see it. Yeah. I, I find it in my own personal and professional life, a fresh set of eyes always helps. And you're exactly right. That's where your team comes in. So I, I want to pivot just a touch and dig into how Piedmont Avenue Consulting has worked with Revel. So we've got at least one shared client, which is very cool. And I know point of sale platforms play a significant role for restaurants. So especially within the last 16 months, how has that role evolved for restaurants? You know, we have these more tech resistant restaurants at play. Um, and then there's a lot of restaurants that were already using technology, but maybe it's evolved. Um, any thoughts there? Yeah, so I think that what happens is as a restaurant, especially you can have dine-in. You can't have dine-in. You can have dine-in. You have a shortage of staff. You have this. So all those things dictate, well, do we do people come up to the counter and order? Do we do that? We do table side ordering. Do we do people can order in advance from, from their phone? Or do people scan a QR code? Do people, what's the flow? And that goes back to the customer journey I was just talking about. So you could do so many different options. It's easy, but, but at the end of the day, right now, point of sale systems are more important than, than they've ever been. Uh, before, yes, you have to ring people up or you have to give them a, a check or you have to enter the, the order, then it prints out in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But right now, customers themselves are inputting data more than they ever have. So it really comes down to how easy is it for your customer to order themselves? How easy is it for the customer to add stuff to their order? How easy is it for your, your restaurant to know which, who ordered, you know? So that kind of stuff. And that's where point of sales, um, really, I get so many calls nowadays. People are trying to, well, should I switch? Should I overhaul? What should I do to improve my, my, my experience for the kitchen, for the staff, for the, uh, for the customers? 
Absolutely. I think acceleration was the name of the game during the pandemic. So David, uh, what is on the horizon for Piedmont App Consulting? Talk to us a little bit about what's next. Yeah, so the way it works is every single year, I come up with three to five things that we want to do. And we, we I, I don't necessarily believe in goal setting because uh, things can change all the time, whether it's virus or not. But I believe in saying three to five things that would be nice. That's how I describe it. So I come with these three to five things. So, and, and, and there's always one that is uh, ridiculous just because I, I, that's the way I am. So one of them is, uh, I, I want to get free private jet rides. That's what, so how can I get more free private jet rides, right? For real, I'm not. So if you look at my LinkedIn, in my LinkedIn, there'll be a, a G6 is the background image uh, on my, my picture. And then there's a, in my paragraph in the very first sentence, it says, people, you know, uh, hi, I'm David, you know, nice to meet you. Um, <clears throat> I'm looking to do more board member roles, uh, keynote talks, board member roles on companies, and free private jet rides. That's what it says. So if you put it there, you have a G6 in the background and I say it right now on this podcast. And then when I do a keynote talk somewhere, I talk about that I'm looking for free private jet rides or my employees kind of know this and it's just out there in the background. And if they see some, hey, David, there's this company doing a jet thing. Oh, we should we should talk to them. So it's like, and, and so we just put it out there. And so far this year, I've had two private jet brokers call me and say, oh, hi, you know, I own a private jet brokerage firm. I sell private jets, they're really expensive. And, you know, I, I did some Google search and I saw that you know a lot about private jets or you're connected to private jet people because we've written some blog articles on how to sell private jets. And we've done some other stuff related to private jets. Not that I'm dramatically, if I really want to get a private jet, I could just spend 24 seven on it. But it's just my employees and me, it's in, our, it's in the back of our mind that private jets would be nice to get on. Well, David, we've covered a lot of ground on this call, but I wanted to just double check in case there is anything that we missed throughout the conversation that you would really like to share with our listeners that we have that opportunity to do that now. Okay. So there's the main things that I see, it doesn't matter what kind of business you have, but especially retail, you know, hospitality, retail facing business is there's three main areas. Number one, your website. If you do not have a one-page website, just a straightforward website, whether it's on Wix, Squarespace, WordPress, just a very simple one-page website that says who you are, has a paragraph. This is who we are. This is what city we're in. This is what we do. And a picture of your product or food or the front of your business or something. Here's our phone number. Call us. Here's our email. You don't have a one-page website that says who you are, what you do, then you do not have a business. You, no website, no business. Even if you've been in business 10 years, I'm like, you don't have a business because everyone said, what's your website? Oh, I'm working on it. No, no. You need a one page website. You can always add more, but everyone on this call, if you do not have a website, you're, it's not going to work so well. Number one. Number two, every single person on this call needs a Yelp account for free. Oh, but I don't, uh, you need a free Yelp because if you're in the restaurant, hospitality, retail space, <laughs> definitely if it's service, excuse me, service provider, you know, janitor, plumber, um, lawyer, physician. So every, everyone needs a free Yelp account. You don't need to pay unless you're getting a lot of business from Yelp that, that, wow, this, I'm getting a lot of business. Makes sense. Well, then I'll start paying them just like Google. Same thing. If you're getting a lot of calls. What'd you Google? I Googled this. Well, then pay, you know, but, but you need a free Yelp on that free Yelp. You have to put the same paragraph that's on your website, the same one. 
the same practice says, this is who we are. This is what city we're in. This is what we do. This is how we do it. Here's our phone number. Call us um, or go to our website, order, order food through Revel or whatever. So, so it's, you, you put the same one that's on your website, on your Yelp. Then on Yelp, you have to have 12 or more photos because if you don't have photos, people don't know what you're, what you're selling or, or where you are or who you are. So and then you and then you so there's basic things on Yelp that you fill out, you know, 12 or more photos, who you are, what you do, about the business, about the so you fill that out, you have that on your website, you have that on Yelp, and then you have to have a free Google listing that says the same thing. And on Google, you say 12 or more photos, label the photos. This is a picture of this, a picture of that. Here's our paragraph, says who we are. So website, Google, and Yelp. And my experience is if most people do not have those just set up for free in a basic way that says who you are, what you do. And if you look at people's websites, a lot of times they don't even have their phone number. Like they don't say, call us right now. There's a contact form. And everyone knows that if I fill out your contact form, you'll never get back to me. Okay. But so, so it's like, you know, so uh, website, Google, Yelp, those three basic fundamental things. And if you, anyone wants to call me or, or go to my website, I have, I, I can send you videos on how to set up your website, your Google, and your Yelp, quote unquote, perfect, because there's just fundamental basic things. If you do those, you will get more phone calls. You'll get more business. I mean, it's just, it's so basic. You don't need to pay. Now, if you get more phone calls in business that makes sense for you, then maybe you start paying those platforms. But um, website, Google, Yelp. The other is your point of sale system uh, or your reservation system. I ha you have no idea how many businesses I've worked with where their point of sale system or their uh, reservation system, they've never exported the data. They've never, I'm like, wait, you, you know how many emails, how many phone numbers, how, many, how much information is in there? They've never taken it out and never done an email newsletter or never used that data to help them uh, understand where people are coming from or whatever. So there's so much data in there. The last one is the, all these government programs. And you can get the PPP fund, the EIDL fund, the RRF. There's tons of money. And if you, if you have not done it, you need to do it free. Yeah, that, that's all fantastic advice. And I think having the right infrastructure in place, whether it's as simple as your website or it's your point of sale platform, it, it's really, really important. So um, David, it was a pleasure talking with you today on the podcast. Thanks for your time um, and enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Thank you so much. I love David's tangible passion for the trends and the operations of the industries he supports through Piedmont Avenue Consulting. With that passion in mind, it's really no surprise that we touched on so many topics in this episode, including the importance of revenue diversification that goes for David's consulting business itself, certainly stretch goals, which he would call nice-to-haves, and then the customer journey, along with the small changes you can quickly and easily implement to differentiate your business within that journey. To our listeners, thanks as always for joining us. Tune in bi-weekly for more great content from our guests, and we want to make sure you never miss an episode. So like and subscribe to Restaurant and Retail Revelations. We are on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.